0: Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com.
1: This week it's episode 255 and we're talking about travelling in Slovenia and Croatia.
0: That's right, we're continuing our amazing Indie Rail adventure um, and in fact we've continued it quite far since we last spoke to you. Uh, things have been delayed with, uh, well... Lots and lots of stuff, um, most notably going to World Trade Market over the last week in London and also the launch of uh, Leila Durai's new book, Woman on the Road.
1: Which is, quite frankly, awesome, so you should buy it.
0: <laughs> We're going to get straight into the show, but first of all, thanks so much to our sponsors for IndieRail, acprail.com, who have provided us with URL passes to get around on. Urban Adventures, who are supplying us with day tours run by locals in many of the cities that uh, we've been through. And also Drome, Drome. Drome.nl, who uh, connect you up with wireless internet for a fixed fee everywhere in Europe. And uh, that's a great deal.
1: Yeah, it's been great for us. It saved our ass a few times when we've uh, arrived somewhere and not been able to... um, contact the person we need to contact because our phone didn't work and we could get online, send an email. It was really brilliant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, today we're going to be talking about our time in Slovenia and Croatia. Um, Specifically, we were in Maribor, Bohingya and Zagreb.
1: That's right. We hope to have more time in these countries. And in fact, they were the last places we planned when planning IndyRail. We'd already kind of thought about Germany and the Czech Republic and Austria and Italy and, and Spain. But we had kind of a two, two and a half week gap in the middle there. And somehow, I don't know, that time's kind of got compressed. We, we stayed for longer in Austria. We had to arrive in Italy earlier. I don't know. But we ended up with not enough time in these two countries. So, oh well, we'll just have to go back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, earlier in the year, we visited Guimarães in Portugal, which is one of the European capitals of culture for 2012. And so when we saw that Maribor in Slovenia was the other one, we thought that was a must-see.
1: Well, we didn't really have much choice. I mean, we really liked to visit the capitals of culture during their reign, if possible. We did it, I think, in 2007, we visited a couple, and it was really brilliant. So we thought, well, we've been to one, we'll go to the other. And uh, I'm so glad we did because Maribor is a very cute little city. We arrived there from Graz. We were coming from Vienna, but we stopped in Graz for the afternoon, which was a very good idea, I must say. And then we arrived in Maribor in the dusk, so um, we we had to get a map because arriving in a new place, we don't usually have a map when we arrive. And uh, so we're looking around for an information office and one was not to be seen, but luckily there was a, kind of a train station information office and we went in and we said, hi. Okay, we realized that we didn't speak any Slovenian, so we <laughs> we asked in English, do you have a map or do you speak English? And he said, Deutsch. And so we kind of dredged around in the, the bottom of our knowledge to find out how to say, do you have a map? And we did. We did know. It was brilliant. And he gave us a map. So that was a win. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Absolutely. There's something to be said uh, from starting to learn a language by looking through uh, tourist guides and figuring out the the key phrases right from the beginning. Um, And, yeah, so we had to catch a bus. And we figured out where to go on the bus and what line we wanted to go on. But it took us forever to figure out that the bus station was across the road. It was literally <laughs> 15, 20 metres away from the train station door. That's right. And it took us wandered. about 20 minutes to uh, to find that out.
1: We wandered aimlessly in one direction and, and stumbled upon it. So that was great. We went in and asked for advice and they gave us advice and we caught the bus. So it was no problems. Um, and our phone wasn't working so we couldn't send a message to our host. So luckily we used the drone to send a um, I think it was a couch surfing message because we're staying with couch surfers. And we got there. So it was a win. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was indeed. And it's quite interesting just thinking about this whole fly by the seat of your pants, show up somewhere with no research and then find out what there is to do and how to get around. It always works. But... The more time you spend preparing, the less time you spend wandering around looking for a bus stop, for example.
1: That's true. I mean, we did have the address of our couch surfing host, and she had said that we needed to catch a bus, but I'd neglected to find out which bus and where to catch that bus. I just suppose I assumed that I could catch it from near the station, or that I could find out that information when I arrived, which we did. So it's fine.
0: I I think cities that see a lot of tourism have... Normally have quite a good infrastructure around there being information centres or maps and that kind of public transport information I in agree. their arrival
1: points. Unless,
0: unlike we found in Nice, where we showed up and went, "Hi, can I have a map?" No. <laughs> Please <laughs> have a map. You're sitting there folding them. Okay. Where can I get the tram? No answer. Sorry, where can I get the tram? Points roughly over shoulder in, you know, just any old direction. Great, thanks. I can see why your employed is in the tourist information centre.
1: We then went to a kebab <laughs> shop and I kind of dredged out my friend. She's like, hi, where is the tram? <laughs> How do I buy a ticket? And he was very helpful and pointed me in the right direction, and we got the tickets and found out the price. And, yeah, so kebab shop owners, better than tourist information offices.
0: <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, no, in Maribor we didn't so much have problems with the, uh, the friendliness of the information office at the station, but more the, the language issue. And mm. what we found in uh, all of Slovenia is that the older generation, those, say, 40 and up, Speak uh, German mm-hmm. as a matter of course as their primary second language. Well they're right next to and Austria so that makes sense. And those that are under 30 speak English as a matter of course as their main second language. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a, a blend in the middle. Yeah. So yeah, well let's um, talk a little bit about Maribor because uh, well this year it's the European capital of culture and uh, there's lots of things happening around that but there's actually a a lot of neat little interesting things that uh, that are always there.
1: Well, we had two nights in Maribor, and I think that was about the right amount of time. One full day in the city is enough to see most of what there is to see. Uh, the map that we got from our friendly train station information officer had the top ten sites to see in Maribor. Unfortunately, there wasn't a water- walking route marked, which is what I really like if I have a map with a walking route marked on it and a little information. But we could kind of make our own route from from the top ten things, so that's what we did. We um, started a little late in the day, caught the bus into town, and uh, just visited the top ten sites. And as it turned out, we showed up at the Vinag wine cellar just after the tour started. I mean, there's a tour. I think it was at one o'clock, and we arrived at one fifteen. So we kind of stood there looking sadly at the door until the uh, the ticket clerk took pity on us and said do you want to go on the tour? We're like, yes. And he said, come on, you can join it. We're like, oh, awesome. <laughs> and then they promptly neglected to charge us for it. And we could have easily walked out without charging at the end, but very conscientious, we paid. But hey, it's only
0: 3.50, and that was a one-hour tour, which was mostly It was supposed to be half an hour. It was, well, it was half an hour in English and half an hour in German, but one guy did them both. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she'd speak to one group for 10 minutes and then usher them along to the next station or a waiting area. And then talk to the other group for 10 minutes. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, it was a 30-minute yeah, right. English tour. That's true. It was just spread out over mm. one hour. And uh, we also got to choose um, from a wide range of their wines um, to have a taste, which looks suspiciously like a, uh, a full glass.
1: Yes, it, it wasn't a taste in any of the senses that I've had before. It, yeah, it was much more like a glass of wine.
0: Now, the cool thing about Vinag is, uh, until recently, actually, they were the winemakers for the oldest vine in the world. Uh, in Maribor, they have the, the oldest still living and still producing grapes, grapevine, anywhere in the world. And, and that's one uh, of the other
1: things you can visit on the tour. It's actually on the other side of town, so you have to visit a few other things on the way. But it's really cool. It kind of um, it grows in front of a house, and it covers the front of the building. So it looks really awesome.
0: Mm. And uh, yeah, they used to make the the wines from it. Obviously, you can't buy it, it's no. not commercially available it's just used for state gifts and yeah. things like that.
1: It would so. almost be worth becoming like an ambassador <laughs> or something just to be given, or you know like the King of Spain, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the I, I, I don't think you have I much will never chance be of King becoming of Spain, the King I know. of Spain <laughs> but they had a list of some of the the people that would given these bottles of wine to as gifts and were kings and ambassadors and I'm like, I'm never going to get one am I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so yeah really worthwhile if you like wine, and uh, there was also some interesting history from the uh, the Czechoslovakian time and things like that as well. Um, now, Maribor also has a lot of little windy streets, um, very narrow, some pedestrianised, some with just next to no traffic on it, and um, filled with little cafes and design stores and things like that. So yeah. I really enjoyed just Wandering around the city, there's lots of little niches on the walls with religious icons and statues, um, some interesting street art around the place as well, and the modern and the old are kind of built into each other and on top of each other and leaning into each other and so it's it was, nice. it was a pretty a pretty town to, to walk around, and yeah, lots of good little cafes and bars. Uh, one that really caught our attention was Stajek which was actually recommended to us by our couchsurfing host as the place to go. Uh, It was in the centre of the city, big outdoor terrace and also two indoor restaurants, and they made their own beer there. But they didn't just make any old beer, they actually made this green beer that looked suspiciously like absinthe at first glance.
1: Yeah, but it tasted like beer, it didn't taste green at all, so, you know, highly recommended. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and um, yeah, they do lots of local foods, uh, which seem to mainly consist of sausages and beans Mm -hmm. and other things and beans and other things and sausages, Uh, but all very delicious.
1: (laughs) We were really lucky. We were staying with a couch-surfing host and her parents, and the parents totally looked after us. They said they didn't usually make dinner, like they didn't have a large dinner, but for us they cooked two really nice home-cooked meals, traditional food. They're like, oh, this is nothing special, but it was delicious. (laughs) So I can't remember exactly what we ate. I don't think they told us the names, but it was just... Mmm, yum.
0: Yeah, well, lots of uh, local wines from the region, local produce, and just, yeah, just that fresh, tasty, simple food. They had, so good.
1: They had a grapevine and they brought us in some grapes, and they said, well, everyone here has a grapevine, and most people make their own wines, but we like to eat the grapes. And we we're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we do like the grapes, but homemade wine would be delicious too. <laughs>
0: Uh, they've got a big park which leads up to a, a hill oh, there's and there's lots of hills On the hill, yeah, there's several hills surrounding it uh, The one I'm thinking of is uh, the Pyramide Which mm-hmm. um, we walked up and once again you're walking up through grapevines And uh, you get I to see the a top theme. and there's, um, <laughs> there's ruins of this old um, fortress That mm-hmm. used to stand at the top of the hill and, and guard the river and, uh, yeah, so that was really interesting. They've just started recently, um, not renovation work, but, like, archaeological work, and, mm. and they're digging it out and finding out what they find. So I think that's going to be of ongoing interest yeah. for, the, for the next few years.
1: That wasn't one of the top ten things to do in Maribor, but a lot of the other top ten things to do were towers and buildings, a couple of churches, and, yeah, lots of towers. There was a, a judgment tower, a Jewish tower, many of them along the river. Mm. And there were fortresses. And uh, yeah, it was good. I really liked Maribor. It was very pleasant.
0: Well, for such a small place, we've spent almost 10 minutes talking about it. So let's move on and talk about somewhere that's even smaller. And that's uh, Bohinj, which was the other place we went to in Slovenia.
1: Yeah, we didn't go directly there. We actually went to Zagreb first. But it makes more sense to talk about one country and then the other country. So we're going to do it like that. Well, we were couch surfing again and we arrived in the afternoon, and our couch-surfing host picked us up and took us home. We had dinner together. I think we had burek, which is quite mm-hmm. a common food in, in that area. We had it in Zagreb as well. It's a pastry dish. Um, it's it's kind of like a pie, but kind of not at all like a pie at all. It's kind of phyllo pastry stuffed with either meat or cheese. Mm, like, like a mince meat cheese. or something mm-hmm.
0: like that, yeah.
1: And it's delicious. So we had that for dinner, and we just spent all evening talking. Now, we had planned to spend our one full day in Bohemia. Hiking, because it's well known for its beautiful nature and hiking paths It's right near Lake Bled
0: It's got rivers and lakes and yeah, lots of mountains, lots of hiking trails And that just seemed like a really good break from all of the cities we had been in recently Mm -hmm. Uh. And in
1: fact we chose this place entirely because of Indie Rail Because I'm not sure who, but someone recommended we go there And they said we could go to either Lake Bled or Bohin And Bohin was more naturey and Bled was more touristy so we ended up going to Boheen and it was it was beautiful, but rainy, very, very rainy. We woke up in the morning of our one full day, and it was pelting down. So um, our couch-living host took us for a drive out to the lake. We had a very damp walk, and then came home, dried off, went out for a walk around the town. It stopped raining. It started raining. We sought refuge in a cafe, had a coffee, walked around a bit more, We'd back home, we, it was just very wet, <laughs> so we got a lot of work done, that was great. And the next day, we had to leave at about 11, I think our train left. So, our couch living host took us back to the lake. We had a not damp walk around the lake, that was nice, and uh, then ran away again.
0: Yeah, so it was short and sweet, but one thing that we have decided is we're definitely getting some hiking maps of the area, yeah, and definitely going back. It is really, really beautiful. Um, we will put a couple of photos up on the, the show notes for this episode, uh, episode 255, yeah. and uh, you can have a look at them there, and if you're in the iTunes enhanced version, you can probably see a photo right now.
1: <laughs> and in fact, I was talking with our couch surfing host last night, we're in Cordoba at the moment in Spain, and uh, we were talking about the trip so far, and he was pulling up photos on Google Images as we talked So we'd gone through all of our destinations, through Germany, the Czech Republic, Austria, la la la. We got to Bohem, and he opened it up. He was like, (laughs) (laughs) So I suppose we're going to have to edit that out, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I think we'll have to bleep that. (laughs) So that that bleep you just heard was, was a not very nice word.
1: He was just so amazed. Like, this is the most beautiful thing ever. Oh, my goodness, I have to go there. And he picked up the computer and walked across. The, he's like, excuse me for a minute. He walked across the room to show his girlfriend. He's like, look at this, look at this. So, I mean, this is one of those places that is just stunning.
0: Absolutely. Um, the other point of interest, which isn't something you can replicate for just one of these fun adventures you get into when you're, you're traveling around, is um, the person we were staying with worked uh, for a hotel, and a music video had recently been filmed in the hotel. So on that uh, on that morning, when the weather was fine, the sun was shining, we wanted to go out and see a bit of the lake, and you know, so we could not just look out through the grey underneath our umbrella. Um, but this music video is getting its first ever airing on uh, national TV. So we uh, yeah we stood around the TV and waited and waited and waited, and uh, yeah, finally got played. So that was quite fun seeing uh where our host worked Uh but kind of highly colorized and you know photoshopped and (laughs) and with with the band in there
1: it was great and it was a fun song as well it was a modern take on traditional music Mm. that's good
0: indeed well let's jump down to zagreb the capital of croatia um and
1: talk about that we had four days there eh? oh man it was so good we arrived and um we, we had a bit of an adventure on arrival because, well, you know, we're we're experienced travellers, but sometimes we don't do a lot of research. And uh, I hadn't realised that Croatia isn't in the Schengen zone, which isn't a problem, but we did have to stop. Well, the train stopped for a while and the passport guards came on and checked our passports and the police came on and checked our passports. And, you know, oh, it, it's fine. <laughs> I just wasn't expecting it. We knew that there was another currency, so that was fine. We were, we were prepared for that. So it just took us a little bit longer than we expected to um, to get there. Then we arrived, and we knew we had to catch a, a tram to a certain stop. So that was fine. We, we changed some money at the um, the money change office in the station, and that was great, I mean, compared to our experience in Prague. What was charge... Pra- uh,
0: uh, Prague worked out, we worked it out with the... Exchange rate and the fees they wanted, it was going to be about 20% value we were going to lose yeah. off our. Uh, it was like a
1: 20% commission. Well, in this place, I think it was a 3%. We lost 3 It was like
0: 1.5%. No, it was
1: a 1.5% commission, which is oh, fair. Yeah, and then and you lost a, couple, a little bit a on the. A couple
0: of bucks on the rate. On yep. the
1: rate. So it was about 3% less than what you'd expect to get if you were getting a mid market rate. And we were like, awesome. So we changed our check rounds and, and we had some money. Caught the tram and got to the tram stop. And realized we couldn't get in touch with our couch surfing host because Craig's phone had stopped working. My one was out of battery because we hadn't been using it. And uh, our drone had unfortunately wasn't registered for that time because we'd changed our dates and we hadn't told them that we were going to be changing our dates. So that didn't work. We had to buy a phone card and contacted our host. No problem. She picked us up and took us home.
0: Yeah. But it was so cool, like, using a, using a phone card. Yeah. Amazing.
1: It was funny, though. We went to the kiosk and we're like, okay, so... We don't speak Croatian either. <laughs> and we didn't know how to say we want a phone card. So um, the the owner of the kiosk called over the next customer who was younger and said, you know, do you speak English? And, and that customer had to translate. And in fact, that happened two or three times to us in, in Croatia. It was kind of the, the way to do it. If you don't speak English, just call over anyone at all. Yeah. Ask them if they speak English and you're away.
0: So we were staying with uh, couch surfers out in the suburbs, actually, uh, which was quite nice because the last time we were in Zagreb, we stayed in a hostel in the central city. But it was madness because as we walked around Zagreb, there were only like two or three places that we recognized at all.
1: I didn't recognize anything. I felt like it was a completely new city. I mean, we were only in Zagreb for two nights, and that was what five years ago. Mm. We arrived late at night, we left early in the morning, so we had one full day We, we were there at no, uh, November the first, so we were there for all saints day and we went to the, I remember going to the cemetery and having a look around with all the candles and that 's all i don 't remember anything else, so it was it was like being in a completely new city
0: mm. and um yeah for me i I recognize little patches of things here and there, but I really Recognized how little we had seen. So um, the tourist map that we picked up had walking tours of the upper city, which is up on the hills, and then the, the lower town, which has some of the, the larger squares and uh, big stately buildings and things like that. But in both the upper and lower town, there's interesting galleries, there's neat little architectural features, there's interesting shops... And um, the thing that bridges both the upper town and the lower town is uh, this amazing fresh fruit uh, fresh fruit and vegetable market.
1: Yeah, so we wandered around that a little bit, bought some fruit, uh, failed to taste the cheese. I don't know what happened there. Oh, yeah. Craig wanted to taste the cheese, and it just never happened. We were going to buy lots of cheese, but by the time we got back, it was closed because it's really only open in the morning. But we did have lunch there, uh, kind of halfway up the steps between the upper and lower town. And we'd been recommended a place to, to eat. And, okay, we did have to wait for an hour for our food because it was so popular. But it was delicious.
0: Yeah, and that would definitely be advice that I'd like to pass on. When you go to Zagreb, eat at the little grill restaurants that are uh, around the market because they were fantastic. Yeah, um, They have a, a big cathedral which is being restored after years of neglect during the uh, the communist times. And what I thought was really interesting is out in front, they've actually got one of the old spires. Like, they pulled it down, and this is what it looked like before it was uh, kind of restored and reconstructed. And it's just this shapeless mass of stone. Yeah, it looks melted. Yeah, it does. And then next to it, they've got an example of what it should look like.
1: They've got an example of what they've done, like the the new version. Yeah. And it's, wow, it's an amazing contrast. It really shows you what acid rain does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, well, churches are, are very important. Uh, we went to St. Mark's Church, which has the, uh, the coat of arms up on the roof, and then uh, into another little church in uh, the downtown area, which has these amazing frescoes covering it. And then... Um, We didn't go in, but we had pointed out to us the kind of the wedding church. It's got the prettiest interior and it's where everyone wants to go and get married. So end of the week and weekends, it's just full of people. Um, But directly opposite that, in fact, on the same square is the the rather infamous, I guess, (laughs) Museum of Broken Relationships.
1: Now, that was a very interesting thing to visit. It's well curated, but very sad. I mean, I left and I was like, oh, that's so sad. Because there are a lot of objects on display and they each have a little explanation. And it might be a long story or it might just be um, she left and she left this behind or something like this. That just makes you go, <laughs> how sad. But uh, yeah, they all represent some sort of broken relationship.
0: The Museum of Broken Relationships was really interesting, but somewhat smaller than I imagined, because I've talked to so many people who have been there, and uh, they've told me what a great or interesting place it is. Um, but it was just about five or six rooms, each with anything from, I don't know, a dozen to to 30 objects in it, but each with their story So um, it was one of the most expensive galleries in the city, but still not very much. I'm thinking it worked out to about 6 or €7 per person. And um, yeah, we were around it in kind of 40 minutes, something like that. Another gallery where we spent half as much money and three times as much time was the Archaeological Museum.
1: Yeah, that was really interesting. In some places, not as well curated as the Museum of Broken Relationships. We'd look at something and we'd say, so this is a, a photo of this man. And I can see his whole history, but I don't know who he is. <laughs> don't know. I think it was banknotes. I don't know why he is on this banknote. So that was a bit strange. But there was a lot of really interesting things, including a mummy, now, there was no information about the mummy, <laughs> but there was a lot of information about the wrappings, because of, what was it?
0: It was the, the longest extant uh, Etruscan text that we've got in the world. So the Etruscans were uh, kind of central and uh, northern Italian people that lived long ago, uh, like Phoenician time, well before mm-hmm. Christ um and they've got certain north african aspects i think they were in north africa as well i'm going to have to check my classical studies <laughs> maps um, but the yeah they've ended up with this mummy they got shipped over as a curiosity basically uh, into croatia and the linen wrappings that wrapped the mummy were cut from uh from a a book of, a book of writing did, yeah, yeah. And so it's the the biggest bit of text we've got from the civilization.
1: yeah, but we don't know anything about the mummy that was was in it. so you know it was one of those museums where you kind of go, well, it's all very interesting, but possibly not the best laid out.
0: Mm. I wonder if uh it's just a a thing to do with the Etruscan and uh kind of late Egyptian period because we went to a museum later on in Florence, possibly. I think in yes, Florence, it was Florence. Um, specifically because I was interested in learning more about the Etruscans, and we came out still not knowing anything at all. So mm-hmm. it was quite classic.
1: Maybe it's just that we don't have the base knowledge that they expect us to have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time to go hit the history books. And it's uh, time to wrap up this podcast. I mean, before we go, um, what did you reckon about train travel in Croatia and Slovenia?
1: Well, I, I... We didn't actually do the the research we should have done about how much it would cost if we didn't have a Eurail pass. But I think in some case, cases, it's better to travel by bus. Certainly if you're travelling further south in Croatia, rather it might be better to catch a bus rather than catch a train. But, I mean, the trains we caught were comfortable. Um, in one case, we got on a train and we had the first-class passes and the whole first class was completely full. We got seats, but... It was only half a carriage for the whole first class. And so can you imagine buying a first class ticket and not getting a first class seat? That would suck. Mm -hmm. So that's something to consider as well.
0: Yeah, but I think if you're kind of bridging that area like we were, you know, coming down from Austria and then into Italy, yeah, it's a bit of a a toss-up between Mm -hmm. using... Buses, which were more expensive per journey than the trains were, but also much faster. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so it was was comfortable and fine to, to travel there. If you don't have a URL pass, then I'd definitely be looking into using the bus system.
1: Yeah. Well, as we were traveling by train, we caught the train from Bohin, which was our last stop in Croatia and Slovenia, all the way to Florence. But it was a bit of a mission because uh, there's no well, there was no train for us across the border. I think there is a night train that goes across the border, but we couldn't catch one. So what we had to do is catch the train to the Slovenian border, get off the train, hop on a local bus, which took us to, well, it was maybe a 10-minute mm. journey, 15-minute journey, mm. to the train station in the neighboring uh, Italian town, and then we had to catch a train from there. And it wasn't too difficult. I mean, the bus cost one ten, although we couldn't find anywhere to buy the bus tickets, and you can't buy them on the bus. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the driver didn't seem to mind. And uh, then we, we just had to continue our journey from there.
0: Yeah, it's certainly not the, the easiest area to get around. But saying that, there's no problems either. Um, yeah, it, it's you just not need as, to know what to It's do. not as fast or convenient as you'd like, but searching through the... Uh, online information on the timetables and stuff it's everything worked as expected
1: yeah yeah
0: very cool well thanks again to our sponsors uh, Drome who keep us online and allow us to keep sharing IndieRail with you Um, make sure you check out the IndieRail hashtag on Twitter and uh, on Instagram because we are sharing photos and, and little mini stories every day
1: and also thanks to ACP Rail for providing us with your rail passes And also to Urban Adventures for the awesome tours we've been doing.
0: I was speaking to someone the other day by email and he was saying that when he's uh, listening to the Indie Travel podcast, he's often in the car. And it's hard for him to figure out where one episode stops and one episode starts. Uh, So I was talking to him about this and we talked about maybe leaving several seconds of silence at the end of each show or using uh, some music to introduce the show. So if you've got strong feelings uh, about that, about us creating a, a jingle or some music to, to start and finish the show, then uh, send us an email sometime in the next few weeks and we'll look at what we can do over the kind of Christmas time for next year. Um, but if you're strongly for or strongly against it, then please flick us an email um, You can contact us through IndieTravelPodcast.com slash contact or uh, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com.
1: Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.